Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast episode 80 on menstruation. I'm talking with Angie from Sacramento. Hi, Angie. How's it going? Hi, Lindsay. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, they, thanks for being on the podcast. How fun is this? <laughs> right. This is this would be the first time I'm doing something like this, and I'm really excited just to chat candidly about all the things. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, so in terms of um, how the podcast works, I had this idea at the very beginning to go back in time and revisit all of this explanations episodes one by one, because I want the earlier stuff that we made to have more attention. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we're going to make this podcast and we're going to work in clips of old videos or play the whole thing even so that people can get more out of all of that work that I did. And so um, that episode was called menstruation. And I went through the whole menstrual cycle and uh, talked about fluid. I even show in a jar how much some bodies produce in a month. Uh, and yeah, went through the days of of the, the cycle and the different phases and what's going on with the egg and the ovaries and hormones, et cetera, et cetera. Menstruation is a cycle. Maybe not a consistent one, but still enough of one that we call it a menstrual cycle. It's a set of actions or patterns that happen again and again in the same order-ish. Bleed, lay egg, cramp, bleed, lay egg, cramp, bleed, Sometimes lay egg, bleed, cramp. lay egg, get pregnant, bleed, but usually the former and it's usually every month. Menses, monthly. Before I got my period, I thought that menstruation happened once a year. I thought I can handle that and then found out that it was once a month for 450 to 480 months beginning day one with the bleeding. About this much to this much comes out brown, bright red, goopy, liquidy for three, four, five days, sometimes longer. Why? Well, the uterus, which is above the vagina, spends most of the month building a mattress for a fertilized egg to grow. But when that doesn't happen, the surface of the endometrium slops off. This is called menstruation or a period. My friend Jamie calls it shark week. <laughs> That's a lot of work. We can talk about that or we can talk about whatever you have going on because you are a person of many identities and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you have a lot to contribute to any conversation about sexuality. So thanks for, for hanging out with me. Yeah, totally, Lindsay. Totally. Um, I also want to give a shout out to our bosses on patreon.com slash explanations podcast because they make this possible in so many ways. Ben Trammell, Zip Wah, Donna Flint, and the Millers. They're so wonderful. Um, okay, so my question for you, mm-hmm. what are your experiences with menstruation? So <laughs> my experience with menstruation, so I, uh, I think I was late uh, compared to most of my teens at that time, uh, most of my um appears at the time when I started menstruating. I started menstruating my first year in high school. So I was 14 at the time, whereas many of my peers had already gotten their menses started um, in uh, like middle school. And so like to have come into it with high school was like a little difficult for me personally, um, because like my parents never talked to me about it. (laughs) 
And I was also the eldest child. I have two younger sisters. <laughs> so coming into it, especially at uh, at a time when it was also, you know, emotionally, emotionally tumultuous with changes um, uh, socially was uh, interesting for me. Um, but like, other than that, I would think that compared to many people, my periods were very mild. Um, and I've tried like a number of different products. I think I've like tried, uh, it wasn't a diva cup, but it was like a disposable diva cup before. And it just wouldn't. Instead? Yeah. Um, and it just like never worked. And so I always stuck with like disposable pads because I think my, my canal is particularly narrow. I'm not sure. <laughs> so it's like, so then uh, I got an IUD about a year and a half ago, and my men- menstruation completely stopped for me a couple of months in. And I'm, sh- I'm actually super happy with it. Yeah? Yeah, not having to um, deal with a period anymore, especially because during that time I was traveling a lot. Uh, I'm a partner dancer and I social dance, so I was traveling a lot for like competitions as well as like up and down the West Coast um, to for, for like different events. So not having a period, especially when I was uh, busy, uh, definitely helped with uh, figuring out like logistics and having that flexibility for me. Wow, that's awesome. I've heard people um, talk about having spotting or blood come out of their vagina for a period of time after getting an IUD. Yes. That wasn't your experience? That was my experience as well. It was um, very mild spotting. um, And then that like gradually decreased to the point where I just wasn't getting my period anymore. And I think like Every couple of months, I still get some very mild spotting, um, but then even that stops uh, a couple months afterwards. So then uh, I don't really have any kind of um, bleeding at all. Now I've had my union for like a year and a half, and I haven't had um, any problems with it, even though it's a hormonal. I haven't had problems, and I feel myself like it's very fortunate. Uh, before I was even, I was on the NuvaRing before for birth control reasons. And also I would keep my NuvaRing in longer just because I didn't want my period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of, it sounds like you have lots of experience with various contraceptive methods. Mm-hmm. I also used the temporary or disposable diaphragms is that mm-hmm. what they're called the in instead is what they're called it may be they the like menstrual fit cups. Or, yeah they fit around the cervix and i just never got mine to fit ever <laughs> yeah well the ones that i used so i worked at a pizza place and i was on the prep line and i remember working with a bunch of older men and this one gentleman i think he also worked at a factory that made these menstrual cups and so he brought some to work one day for me to use and they're much larger than a a diva cup or a moon cup or any of those brands it's um more uh similar in size to a diaphragm so maybe two inches in diameter and i remember I had them on me and I started my period. So I just ended up using one and my cramps went away. I stopped having cramps after I used it that one time. And then so you would be able to uh, avoid cramps whenever you would use that diaphragm 
or it just went away after you used it once? <laughs> they went away after I used it that one time. Wow. And then, um, I mean, I've had them since, but we're talking about 20 years and I haven't used them, you know, for probably 19 years. So that's, I don't know if it's a <laughs> correlation or causation or anything like that, but um, that was my experience with them. I enjoy having my period most of the time, but I also have a really, really light flow. Like for me, I can go without using any products at all. And I just, I'll go to the bathroom and the blood will come out and then that will be it. So I don't have to use any sanitary napkins, tampons, cups. I don't have an IUG. I'm very privileged. It's <laughs> very fortunate. Totally. <laughs> I, I, I understand from talking with a lot of my uterus having friends that is not the usual experience with no. a menstruation whatsoever. <laughs> no. So I'm curious, <laughs> what kind of dance do you do? You said partner dance. Yeah, I uh, partner dance. I've been dancing for 11 years and I've studied in multiple styles. I uh, DJ for the larger community for social dances. And I have also taught and I currently still compete. <laughs> what type of dance? Uh, so currently I have been uh, training in and competing in West Coast Swing. I am part. Oh, so yeah. Fun. Yeah. I am, and I'm part of like a this uh, larger community that we call a fusion community. Um, and what it is that people from many other different dance styles, some not even partner dance styles, come together and we create dances together to figure out uh, what, what kind of partnership we can create. And it's all improvised on the social floor. Um, and I feel like that's part of the beauty of our community is like learning how to meet each other just within dance. And I may have mentioned as well is that we also work together to uh, recognize like social privileges we all have as well as uh, well as what we can do, at least within our community, to strive towards uh, social equity. Um, so there's like lots of really productive conversation and intentional uh, communication and listening in the way we interact with each other. And I feel very, very fortunate to be in a community that really advocates for that. Wow. Has that impacted your sexuality at all? I really actually think it has. Um, so this particular community um, is very sex positive, kink positive, as well as uh, we have people from many different genders as well. And I still have friends who... Um, are like figuring those things out for themselves. Um, and so like recently I started to actually uh, question and discover for myself that like for being straight passing for so long, I am actually queer. And at the age of like 30 plus, <laughs> it's an interesting thing to come into it as an identity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me more about it? I'm, I'm fascinated because my own identity is doing something similar where I think I've um, outwardly identified as heteroflexible, but that's just because that's kind of the category that I fell into. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know that I identify as queer, though, either, because it seems to me like that is actually the norm. I have I have this belief that 
people who experience non-heterosexual orientation uh, orientation or attraction are actually the majority. <laughs> so, like, that's not queer. Right. Or, yeah, it's, I've had a really enriching conversation with a queer friend of mine, and they were um, so generous and so giving in the space they had for me in this conversation where they just basically affirmed that um, however I felt in my identity was valid. And it's funny because they also mentioned if you ever feel that you may be queer, but that you don't feel queer enough, that is like the hallmark that you actually are queer. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and to just really embrace however I explore that explore that queerness, whether it's in romantic attraction or my sexuality, everything is valid. And I still get to own whatever label I feel is right for myself, whether I ever explore myself uh, sexually in relationships with non-men is completely up to me. Um, and I can still like... I still should feel secure in however I identify, whether that be queer or another label. So that was really, really affirming to actually to have that conversation with them. Um, and to and they said that the only thing that you should be um, using as a parameter of of like your queerness is however you feel about it rather than other people's beliefs about who you are, who you should be, because there's lots of people like that. Um, but the most important thing is however you feel, whatever is most true to you. Mm, yeah. I mean, for me, I get to remind myself that it doesn't matter who is in the majority or the minority or mm. um, how other people apply the labels or identifiers to themselves. Um, it's how I feel I'm um, relating to those words. So good for you. I'm glad that you found an amazing advocate for you. Yeah, and it really teaches me how to be an advocate for myself as well. Uh, I really have a firm philosophy in um, standing with my own agency, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in like my boundaries, what works for me or doesn't work for me uh, in other areas of my life. Um, it's something that I really strive to. Uh, take a stand on and advocate for myself and my own agency. So I think this is like one of those areas as well. That's great. So you believe that some of this came from your dance community? Oh yeah, definitely. They, the community has influenced me a lot in the way they've like modeled healthy relationships with other people, healthy relationship with yourself. Um, so definitely. Wow. When are you competing again? Uh, well, I actually just got into nursing school, uh, and I start <laughs> I started in a month and a half, um, and I, I don't feel like I'm going to have much time to dedicate uh, to dancing and being involved in the dance community as I have been, but uh, we'll see. I'm planning for, like, one last hurrah in January before I, like, disappear into schoolwork. <laughs> Wow, you are going to be such a well-rounded human being. I really strive for that. <laughs> That's wonderful. What attracted you to nursing? Uh, it's interesting because it's 
It's a career path that my mom has nudged me in the direction of for several years now, probably like 15 years now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's so I've had such an interesting path and journey in relation to academics. Like I just this year, 2019, finished my bachelor's degree that I started in 2006. <laughs> and it's just been like going to university and then dropping out of university and then having like this kind of uh, stressful anxiety laden relationship with academics. And so that's where I turned to dance and really involved myself in a community where I felt um, I start to understand my own value and my value to people that wasn't, you know, so ingrained in um, like academic merit. Um, and so that was an interesting journey for me to find my value in other people as well as develop a sense of assuredness and value in myself and self-worth. And it was after that that I was able to come back to academics and finish my degree, apply for nursing school, and then get in. Um, and I feel that being in the social community as well as being in the healthcare field, I still worked in the healthcare field during this time, really informed the kind of person that I am now. So it's been a very interesting, circuitous, all over the place path. And I feel like I've I did not regret any of it. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. And I'm sure it gives permission to a lot of other people to take the paths that are right for them. And uh, those might be spiral shaped or squiggly. Yeah. And they're still valid. Yeah. And it's so analogous to many other paths, like people searching for like, relationship styles that work for them or exploring their sexuality. It's analogous to many paths that we each have in our own lives, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or choosing ways to uh, menstruate or not. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so you're not in nursing school yet. Not quite yet. But you're headed there? Yeah, I start... I start classes uh, January 2020. What an auspicious year, 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to. I want to <laughs> know what you're going to learn about <laughs> cycles in nursing school. Oh man, I'm really looking forward to becoming more informed myself, so I can be an advocate for other people. Like my IUD experience was really interesting because I thought I was well informed before getting going in to get the IUD. And then after I got it, I felt that there were a lot of things missing and lacking, um, especially from healthcare professionals that could make this kind of procedure a lot easier for people who have uteruses and want an IUD. And I feel that, you know, that information isn't out there. Uh, For example, um, the emotional impact that it can have um, just on just a procedure itself. Um, Like for me, I know that if uh, I had known it was an option, I would have called someone to be there with me for the procedure. And that, Mm. you know, it was really important to advocate for not returning to work the same day after I got the IUD in. Like. Wow. Yeah. That's helpful information to have and to share. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I want to be an advocate for people. I actually wrote like a big long public post on it, <laughs> and I and I made it available to friends to be like, hey, this is like what your uterus having peers are going through when they decide on getting an IUD. You know, be informed even if you don't have a uterus yourself to really understand what it is that people that you care about go through. I think it's really important for menstruation as well, for people who don't have uteruses to understand that as a part of, you know, people's lives, what we go through and having a uterus and having this um, natural process of our bodies. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, as we transition to become a culture that is more accepting of people with um, more than the two genders and bodies that um, are not all cis, Mm -hmm. that menstruation is going to become a a different kind of phenomenon. And so I have some curiosity around that, and Mm -hmm. I wonder what education in the medical field is going to be, because I imagine that the conversation we're having right now, even though we're not gendering things, can still be really triggering. And I, I have spoken with people who want, who they don't have a uterus, mm-hmm. whether that's because they were not born with one or they have had one removed, but they still want that experience of menstruation mm-hmm. as a mark of like femininity or mm-hmm. being female, et cetera, et cetera. And so I wonder how that's going to affect the medical field. It probably already is. (laughs) And I just need to do some more research on it, maybe an entire explanations episode. But um, I think there are people out there. I know that there are people out there who want to experience bleeding in that way. And I, I wonder how the medical field is going to partner with that ambition. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. I think what I'm going towards like in my mind is, is thinking of, uh, people who, um, get, uh, what is it called? Sex change operations to feel that more whole in their, in their way of viewing their own bodies and the way they identify, uh, either, uh, sex wise or gender wise. Um, and I think what you mentioned about desiring for, uh, the experience of menstruation is like maybe coupled with that in terms of, uh, gender or sex identity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I, and now I know where I need to, <laughs> to fill some gaps in my education. Yeah. I actually thought of, have you heard of, uh, thinks it's the brand, uh, it's like a company that makes, um, period underwear. It's like T H I N X. Yeah. Um, uh, and in their, uh, in their ads, they have people, um, of like various gender and, and various transitions in their um, sex and gender identities who it, uh, they market towards like things yes. isn't yeah. just for, you know, uh, cis women in which you see all in all the ads you would perceive as like a mm-hmm. particular archetype of a woman. Um, and I actually do pr- appreciate that about Mm, where things is going with their marketing. Yeah, it is impressive. And I recently, um, well, within the last couple years, I guess, have appreciated that they are creating products for young, like entering puberty, Mm -hmm. 
populations because I don't think that it needs to wait until adulthood for us to have alternative methods to deal with the blood, right? Like how cool is it that I could get my daughter a pair of underwear when she is approaching menstruation? Like here, here, like awesome, done. Here's this cool cool thing. And and they're so cute. (laughs) I ordered a bunch for myself because I have that body type of like a small girl. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think they're awesome because they're they're great for the environment. And I really like their philosophy. And I like all the products out there that that have, um, you know, the similar intent of making things that are reusable and um, health conscious conscientious mm-hmm. but yeah thanks i am aware of them and i i approve <laughs> have you tried them before i have not i think i learned about it when i was already on my iud but i actually have many friends who are uh investing in these kinds of a uh, sustainable um methods in their in their uh experience with menstruation i have a, a bunch of friends who are using the uh reusable cotton pads rather Mm -hmm. than the disposable ones and many friends who also have been using things underwear and undergarments um so it's a really cool direction that we're going in in terms of mm, this kind of adaptability yeah that's a great way of putting it (laughs) yeah good job world (laughs) good job world (laughs) do you have a menstrual memory that particularly comes to mind Menstrual memory. Oh, man. I have definitely bled through pants before. And I remember a particular memory where I was wearing white pants of all the days that my period could come on. I was wearing white pants on that day. Um, And I remember being so embarrassed and self-conscious. It was just like this tiny spot of blood. And I think all, all people who have have been menstruating are familiar with the experience of like going to the bathroom and stuffing a huge wad of toilet paper in your underpants because it came on a surprise day (laughs) yeah so were there any consequences positive or negative uh no i feel like i've been really fortunate um in my experience in having a body with a uterus um, including menstruation that, um, I don't feel like I've had any particularly, mm, scarring experiences. Uh, so yeah, I feel really fortunate in that, but I know that even to this day, I carry around tampons and like two different sizes of pads with me everywhere because I know that I, I want to give it out to people. I want to make sure that like my friends know that I'm here to support them and wherever they are, if they are menstruating that I have like tampons for them or pads for them. Angie, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like everyone should do it. I definitely have friends who are men who do that as well to carry around tampons and pads because, because they understand and they really empathize or rather sympathize, they'll never really know, but they'll sympathize with their uterus having friends because, you know, that's pretty awful to have your period come on a surprise day and then, you know, have a lot of anxiety over that. So I think everyone. 
uterus having friends and friends without uteruses, uteri. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have friends who will <laughs> keep containers of them, of tampons and pads on the backs of the, like the toilet shelf. Yeah. Accessible to guests with condoms as yeah. well. Condoms, yes, condoms. and dams and lube. Yeah. <laughs> I live in a house um, currently that's also very like sex positive. And we have like um, condoms in our bathroom as well with like a note that explicitly says for everyone. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Do you have polyisoprene ones? Oh, man. So I think the only ones that we currently have do have latex in them. And I feel that we should also provide available ones that, like, don't have latex. (laughs) Yeah. Up your game, Angie. (laughs) Get some skins in there. Gonna up my game for sure. skin condoms are my favorite for that reason. Same, same. That's my personal preferred. Even though, like... I am fine with latex. You know, you just never know where you might have a partner who is allergic to it. Um, so mine is just, well, skin is also a really good brand. I approve. <laughs> Look at this. We made an advertising podcast. Um, so as a dancer, you're using a whole bunch of your your muscles, your skeletal skeletal system, nervous system, everything is all working together so fantastically. I can't, you know, totally imagine what you look like dancing because I can only see you from the chest up. But I imagine it's just fantastic. And I wonder if you also do kegels as part of your your fitness, your dancing physique. Oh, man, I don't think Kegel really in physique, but I have like done them before. They're not really a routine for me, but I am like familiar with it. Um, and I've definitely heard of uh, other friends <laughs> using Kegels and have come across some really interesting products that advertise as like Kegel exercise tools. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Barbell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm wondering if you could do kegels to control menstruation. And I think it's possible that you could do a kegel and hold that blood in until you got to a place where you could release it. Not everybody, but people who have particularly strong pubic CGS muscles. And then people could probably also do kegels to push some of the that endometrium out faster. I, oh, mm. interesting. So many curiosities today. <laughs> right? Yeah. Usually when I have these kinds of like niche curiosities, I immediately go and see if there has been a scholarly paper written on it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if you find one, please text me and let me know. We'll put it in the description. I will text you if I find a scholarly journal relating uh, or correlating Kegel exercises to uh, menstruation. (laughs) Yeah. I bet there is information out there that um, refers to how Kegels can decrease menstrual cramping Mm. or back pain because that that muscular system is attached pretty thoroughly to itself, right? Like it's it's not just isolated. 
my understanding. You're going to be a nurse. You're going to know more about this than <laughs> I, I am. am. I'm going to definitely learn more about this. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited to. And then I think, yeah, if you're doing contractions of one kind, that it, it should be able to influence organs that are higher up in the body. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> that makes sense because for some people, when they have an orgasm during vaginal penetration, mm-hmm. the you the opening to the uterus, the cervical os, mm-hmm. which is really similar to the head of a penis kind of, um, but it's in between the vagina and the uterus. It's going to dip down and like kind of like a duck uh-huh. putting its head into the water. It dips down because it's looking for a pool of semen to dunk its head into, uh-huh. uh, it into. It doesn't have a head. Uh, <laughs> and so I think if all those systems are connected in that way, then it makes sense that you would be able to do kegels and you would be able to influence it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. I think this is a thing. I'm going to do more research. More research. More research on topic number two. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm so fascinated. Because it's really interesting to me, too, how different hormones can affect people's menstrual cycles. I read that uh, in one study they found a person who menstruates could go and put their nose into the armpit of somebody who produces more androgen and testosterone Mm -hmm. and that it would help regulate their cycle so their period would come more regularly oh i had never heard of that before that's interesting so many things out there (laughs) clue clue the app can you please sponsor sexplanations and then teach me these things and i will share them with the community. Okay, well, let's do some kegels. Main squeeze, squeeze it good. Does that work? Yeah, I think I, I've done them before, and I think I'm doing them correctly. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing them right now as we speak. A lot of people are, I'm sure. Every time someone says it, I tend to clench my vaginal muscles and my anus. I'm like, the whole thing. The whole, just... the whole area down there is kind of like not isolated, like you said. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like rubber bands being stretched and loosened and, oh, so good. Okay. So how about I will count to eight and then we'll hold. So we'll do like eight quick kegels up and then hold uh, the contraction uh-huh. for eight counts and then release eight kind of sh- quick steps down. Okay. I mean, eight counts is a long time. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> is eight counts what you do for Western <laughs> Swing? That's cool. I was trying to base it on your dance oh. career. West Coast Swing is actually six counts, but oh, eight yeah, counts. Yeah, yeah. But yes, eight counts in most dance forms, five, six, seven, eight. It totally makes sense. <laughs> Wait, it's back step. So that's back step one, two, back step one, two. Yeah, that's Am I talking about the right kind of dance? West Coast Swing would be step, step, triple step, triple step. So that's six. Step, step. If you want eight counts, you want to do Lindy Hop. Wait, wait. How is step, step, triple step, triple step six? Isn't that eight? It'll be... 
One, two, three, and four, five, and six. <laughs> and the and doesn't get any points? The and is the in-between of the downbeat. But if you want to do Lindy Hop, that'd be one, two, three, and four, five, six, seven, and eight. The seven and eight is a triple. <laughs> this is a much better plan for pickles than what I have. Okay, so you count. We'll do a West Coast Swing and a Lindy Hop. Uh, Kegel. Any other dance that we should put in there? Have you ever done St. Louis Shag? Oh, no. I don't personally dance it, but I know there are some friends who do. Do you know the count? St. Louis Shag? No. Carolina Shag? Who has Carolina Shag? I, I don't know. I can't really. Off the top of my okay, head, we'll I don't do remember. The first two. Okay, so will you count two rounds of each kind? So we're going to do swing kegels first. Ready? Swing. Okay. So uh, West Coast swing kegels, six in, hold six, six out. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. This is on the in. <laughs> You're doing okay. great. Okay. In, two, three, and four, five, and six. Hold, two, three, and four, five, and six. Out, Two, three, and four, five, and six. <laughs> <laughs> My vagina totally just did it. Okay, so then Lindy Hop? The Lindy Hop giggles. <laughs> so this is eight cats. Uh, okay, yeah, here we go. Lindy Hop kegels. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> in, two, three, and four, five, six, seven, and eight... Hold two, three, and four, five, six, seven, and eight. Out two, three, and four, five, six, seven, and eight. I did my best while trying to count. <laughs> you, wow. And you were also doing kegels at the same yes. time. I am so extraordinarily impressed. Wow. Amazing. I hope you think of that and you do kegels next time you're dancing. Oh my gosh. Now I can't not to do kegels while I'm dancing next time. I hope everyone takes a bit of this away and can do dance count kegels in their future. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the new thing at the clubs. Dance count kegels? Instead of, yeah, instead of flossing, it's going to be kegels and you're just not going to know that people are doing them. <laughs> They're just going to have this joyful look on their faces. Or like a faraway concentration look. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Do you have anything that you want our audience to be working on as Sextra Credit over the next week? Sextra Credit. Oh, man. Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you Sextra Credit. If you're sexually active, have a start a new uh, sex conversation with your partners. If there's a new one, a new one, like if there's that thing that you've always wanted, but you haven't had a verbal conversation with, I would encourage you to uh, start that conversation. I feel like communication, especially within your sexual relationship of of your romantic relationships maybe um i think they're really important for me in particular um i get a lot of out of having explicit verbal communication i understand there's like a beautiful world of 
uh, unspoken communication that go that goes on, especially in our intimate relationships. But I really encourage people to practice having uh, verbal communications, especially about sex. I like it. That's really helpful to me. What about people who are not in romantic or sexual relationships right now? Anything um, for them? From I, Angie? <laughs> uh, I would encourage people to take steps closer to accepting themselves and loving themselves as they are where they are. Even if it's you don't know whether you want, uh, you don't know whether uh, what it is you want in your sexual relationships or you're not sure if you are a, a person who wants sex at all to really embrace that as a beautiful part of who you are rather than, you know, think about where you should be in that relationship with you. Wow. So much peace when you share. <laughs> I love it. I just want that peace for other people. <laughs> and I want them to do research for me on menstruation. <laughs> you can study all the things and report back. Everybody go to nursing school and tell me what you learn about periods. Everyone be friends with the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you tell me how nursing school goes, Angie. I sure will. If I learn any interesting things about menstruation and uteri, I will definitely text you, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you. Because it's really, it's helpful to have your perspective on things. I like that you, you're, you're a curious person. You've come from multiple disciplines and you're, you strike me as somebody who is really trying to figure out the path that works best for you at the time and not forcing things and just being really open to when they come and how they come so I like that and I, I like that when you're curious you look things up and I, mm. I'm gonna do the same <laughs> we're gonna find out what's out there in the world yeah I like I think curious minds will continue to make the world a habitable and sustainable place <laughs> thank goodness thank goodness <laughs> yes well, thank you for being on this Explanations podcast. You've done it. Thank you so much, Lindsay. High five virtually through Woo! the video yeah. camp. <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you also to the people on patreon.com slash explanations podcast for making this possible. To the editor, Louis Winkler, and the recorder, my partner. We're, we're in this RV and we're recording with Angie from Sacramento and it's been fantastic. And Cora and Paro, I'm still learning. <laughs>